Welcome to the 18th episode of the Endurance Asia podcast. I'm this week's host, Rick Stockfis, and today we're talking to JP Alipio. JP is the race director of the Cordillera Mountain Ultra Trail Race, which is part of the Asia Trailmaster series of events, as well as the Cordillera Challenge and the Cordillera Epic Mountain Biking events. <laughs> I'm going to mangle that pronunciation throughout the interview, but the Cordillera is a, it's a stunning mountain range in the north of the Philippines. Um, and JP has spent years uh, exploring it, writing about it, and helping protect it through his foundation, the Cordillera Conservation Trust. He's a fascinating guy with, with just so much to say about how endurance sports can help connect and secure a future for remote communities like these. And we've wanted to get him on the podcast for a long time. Scott and I ran the Cordillera Ultra back in 2017, and we were just blown away by the scenery, the, the friendly welcome we received, and just how amazingly remote it was. Uh, and we wanted to find out um, how it all came together. So we also cover his own racing background, how he chose to step away from the rat race in Manila, uh, the dangers of over-racing, and how he came to, to be eating grubs at aid stations in some of the races that he's done, uh, as well as a whole lot more. So without further ado, we give you JP Alipio. Tell the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. JP, welcome Hi. to the Endurance Asia podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm glad to be here. You and I first connected through my through my day job, which is publishing, among other things, Smile magazine right. for Subaru Pacific. And uh, and so I wanted to start with a with a quote that you wrote <coughs> for us, I think, quite a few years back. And if you remember, but looking looking up. Um, <coughs> what you'd said at the time and you'd said that you started a story with uh, wild spaces like gods need adulation to survive yep. and that um, I think it was an amazing quote for one but uh, it also seemed to speak to a lot of what you're what you're about and what you're doing so perhaps you can you can introduce yourself and um, where you come from and, and what what you do now wow yeah, that's um don't remember writing that quote, but <laughs> <laughs> I think that was about three years ago yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, for sure. Um, it's uh, I, I work for the Cordillera Conservation Trust. I'm the director at the moment, and um, what we do is uh, we create, we basically develop wild spaces for to help conserve them through creating economic activities around these areas, like um, uh, trail running and mountain biking and hiking and trekking. And it creates value for all of these areas. Right. Otherwise, um, in in that quote, basically, otherwise they would be valued for lumber, for for timber, for mining, for the natural resources which would be extracted from it. Right. Uh, the way we do things is we create value through trail run. You've joined our trail run once. You've uh, we've had the mountain bike race for about ten years now, and these races create jobs. They create value for the communities, and this value basically this long value chain where communities are able to earn from the environment without having to extract so much from it they earn from the beauty essentially right and so for, for people who might not know or haven't been Cordillera is a is a mountain range in the the north of 
Luzon. Luzon, right? northern Luzon. Yeah, it's uh, it's north of Manila, about four hours away, and we we are essentially uh, about uh, it's about a three hundred kilometer long uh, mountain range, which uh, is inhabited by maybe ten or fifteen indigenous groups, right. many different groups. You can be from the valley to the ridge, and it's a different group already. Uh, all over the region, it's very diverse. And is yeah. did you grow up there, or how did I you grew up there? Uh, okay. My father is um, also a member of an indigenous group there, the Ibaloy. My mom is from the lowlands, from uh, Pampanga. Kay. So I'm I'm a bit of a mix of both worlds. And I grew up right next to the mountains. There's a river behind our house. We our house is right beside some farms, which used to be strawberry or flower farms or whatever. Uh -huh. And we used to play in, the, in in these mountains, so that's sort of how I got into that. You know. Right. And so now you're you're based there full time. You're living in, in yes. Yeah. Yep. Okay. I used to live in Manila. I, I worked for a while for a few different NGOs. I worked for Friends of the Earth. Um, my last real um, corporate job would be working for the UN. I worked for the Inter International Labour Organization for a while. And then um, I decided living in Manila wasn't the life for me. So, so when was that? When did you move back? Um, that would have been 2013, I think. Okay. 2013, yeah. And what was it about what you saw going on there that, that prompted you to, to start CCT? Uh, CCT actually started much earlier than that. Okay. We started about 2006. And at the time, it was more like a traditional NGO where we would get funds and uh, we'd get grants for projects and different projects would be done. So we've done things like uh, cultural mapping and um, we built forest nurseries in partnership with the Department of Education. We built about 107 in remote schools all over the region, right. forest nurseries. And then we saw and then we started also the mountain bike race which started about 10 years ago. And, and, and that's, the, that's the Cordillera Challenge? Cordillera Challenge, okay. yeah. And w in the beginning, that started off more as a fundraising thing for the other projects that we right. would do. And it funded the nurseries, it funded our reforestation program, and it was quite successful doing that. But one of the things we noticed was wherever we did this race, we created this ripple effect where uh, communities started earning money from homestays. Uh, we would have, because we would always have local catering, and we had we would have specific like things where food has to be sourced locally, your labor has to be local, and all of these things. So we we create this whole value chain um, around it, and we saw that it had this effect on the community where they started valuing their their own homes more right. than. Um, more than they used to. They used to just look at it as, oh, okay, I can get timber for my house or this would be good for mining or this soil would be good for an agricultural farm. But now, especially with uh, tourists coming in, uh, tourists impart a certain value uh, to these areas which, which would otherwise not exist, essentially. Right. Yeah. And so what was it that made you start to think about doing that development through sports and endurance events rather than perhaps more traditional ways, like you said, like with the reforestation? Um, I think it's just a natural thing because it's it's something that I would do personally. I, I've always been an outdoorsy person right. uh, ever didn't, since. Didn't you do some crazy exploration of the Cordillera yes, itself? Yes, yeah. In, in actually, that's how the CCT started in 2005. Uh, we got a grant from National Geographic. Um, and the grant was basically to map out the, the old trails of the Cordillera. So we hiked for about almost 40 days, about 38 days hiking across the mountains. And in, in, in 2000, that was 2005. 
And at that time, there was all the roads were rough. And these these were what hiking trails that connected the villages. Yes, it's okay. essentially the highways between the villages. Right. They're 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 not built for hiking. They're built more for the communities to move move about. But essentially, they they connected all of these communities, and they've existed for maybe a hundred years, a couple of hundred years. And what we did was we connected a few of these trails, not all of them. There's just too many, mm-hmm. and we connected all of these trails from the south, which is uh, where the Cordillera Mountain Ultra is being held mm-hmm. now, uh, all the way to Ilocosur, which is which is north, northern part of the Cordillera. So that was 40 days. How how far did you cover? Uh, it must have been about 400 kilometers or something like that. Right. Yeah, um, we didn't have a really good GPS at the time, but we did. You know, we were. Basing it on topo maps and right. and and all of that. Right. And so I mean, we we interviewed Seb uh, Seb Bertrand up in Chiang Mai early in the year, and he'd he'd done something similar, trying to map routes from from Chiang Mai to Chiang Rai, connecting these old trails. But yep. one of the things he said was that just when you go to these villages, the idea of connecting them wasn't something that had ever yeah, really occurred yeah. to the villagers. And so, how were you received when you started um, doing that? At the time, a lot of the villages were, they've never had tourists in 2005, you know, right. a lot of them would have maybe the occasional hiker and some of those areas, actually, I was the occasional hiker right. and uh, because we, we said we did, we did a few hikes up to those areas before we did the whole like 40 day thing and, um, and we were received really well. In, in fact, uh, the funny thing is we brought tents okay. for our trek and we ended up using, on the 40 days, we ended up using them maybe three times. Because we were always in a house, people right. would always ask us to stay in a school or a house or you know one of their. So did you did you get to a point where you thought we should we should just dump these tents? Yes, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think we actually that's did. a lot of weight to carry. We if you did, don't need it. but we dumped the tents. Maybe <clears throat> we dumped them in Sagada, which was which would have been about thirty days in. Okay, so <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't too like it would have been late. yeah too little too late, but. But yeah, that was that was that that changed the way I looked at the mountains. That changed, that basically set up the whole way we do things in CCT. Up to now, right. we we came up with this whole document about it. The, the team came up with a document about the whole thing, um, and it's it's basically our bible. This is what we use. Is how we develop and and look at. We look back to it on how we we do our work right now. Yeah. And were you at the time? Were you a, an endurance athlete? Were you into to running and, and, and biking yourself, or were you a hiker? Or um, yeah, I was I was a hiker, but mostly I biked and I ran okay. to train for hiking. <laughs> um, I wasn't competitive in that in the sense that I probably a bit more now. Yeah. So I used to. There wasn't that many events also in like two thousand. I started I started running in must have been. 99 in college yeah and road running or in, on the trails both both okay. yeah 99 and then in college and uh, i live in baguio we, we have a few trails just around the city uh-huh. it's a nice thing about living in baguio so i used to run just so i could hike further right. we would do like five day treks out in the mountains with the you know with a loaded pack and you can't do that without any right. fitness so i'd run and bike and and all of these things and mostly mostly of course that was for for hiking and then of course we would go into more biking at the time exploring all of these back roads and right. all that yeah i mean that scene seems to have, i mean it's obviously it's exploded all over asia but oh yeah especially sure, in the yeah. philippines now there's there seems to be so many races and so many uh, and, so many, yeah, yeah. and so so you the first event you put on was the the, the, the bike event yes the bike okay. event we started at in 2010 it we partnered with uh, the telecom globe telecom a uh, long time ago 
And that was, uh, like I said, it was to raise funds for our reforestation program. And it became quite successful. It used to be uh, one of the biggest. What, what it was, isn't the, biggest what was the format? Is it multi-day? No, at the time it was just one day. Okay. It was just one day. And we would have, it. it's still the hardest race in the country, right. mountain bike, because of the terrain that we have in the Cordillera. And so, so that, what's, what's the difference? Is the Cordillera Challenge and then the Epic? Is that, are they two yeah. different events? Uh, they're two different events. Okay. The Challenge is one day and the Epic is three days. Okay. So the Epic is more like, like a multi-stage race and the Challenge is for the one day thing. Um, it's it's gotten a little less in the last few years. We found that a lot of the riders have aged. <laughs> <laughs> it's the same guys every year. It's the same guys every year, and because of our reputation being difficult, we don't get a lot of the new riders coming right. into the race because it, oh, you know, we have to be a certain level to, get right. to join. What, make, what makes it so hard? The elevation and the, the elevation, the terrain. It's a lot of people aren't used to climbing for that long. I mean, you could be climbing for three hours, wow. essentially, and, and going down a hill for an hour. Right. And that, that's almost n nowhere else in the Philippines where you'll be going downhill for one hour. And these, I guess they're not designated mountain biking trails. No, they're no. They're back roads. They're right. back roads. And the, these are routes between villages and things like that. In fact, one of the problems we've had in the recent years is Philippines is getting more... Uh, well, a richer country now, <laughs> so a lot of the roads are paved. Right. <laughs> a lot of the routes we we used to do ten years ago are now all paved. So we've been doing a lot more road biking. Right. And then yeah. I guess that ties into something I wanted to ask you about, which is the, that that balance between conserving these areas and opening them up for development. Because yeah. obviously, obviously, there's a bit of magic. I'm sure when you first yeah. went there, just how remote these places yes, were. Yes. You don't necessarily want them to stay that way forever, because then those communities yeah. are going to die off. But um, your your experience with doing the, the 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 bike race and then later the the ultra running events has been that's bringing people in and, and bringing money into those yeah. communities yeah um uh, it's been a mixed bag i would okay. say and i i definitely personally I'd, I'd like them to remain a little more remote a little yeah. more uh like they used to be 10 years ago but then for the people there uh roads are boon as well yeah. um They've got better healthcare. They have better economies now. Um, one of the things I've actually noticed is that, like for instance, in Mount Pulag, where we used to do the Cordillera Mountain Marathon before the, where yeah. you went for the ultra, the the villagers now do their own tours. So it used to be like okay. people from the outside would bring people in, and now the villages own the villagers own their own businesses. They bring the tourists in themselves. Right. They're, they're creating that own economy. That wouldn't have existed without the road. The road really provided that kind of access. Uh -huh. Because now it used to take six hours just to get there. Now it's like an hour and a half right. with, with a good road. So so now that that's something that creates that. So there's a bit more of these little pockets that will probably remain preserved for a much longer time. Yeah. Yeah. There's no longer these large swaths of, of like pristine wilderness and... There, um, one of the other things is that because of education, it's starting to balance out. Uh -huh. um, it used to be because of the remoteness of these areas, people would be more into resource-intensive economies, like extractive economies like logging and farming and, yeah. and all of these things. And because of education, the, the generation that's my generation, the generation after myself, they're educated. They're leaving all of these sure. areas. And... And they're starting to essentially depopulate these areas. And I've seen it in certain areas where 
it used to be a big farming community and now the forest is starting to regrow so it's it's somewhat balancing hopefully it catches up right. to, to, to development yeah and are you are you a bit of an outlier in terms of moving to Manila and then coming back or is there is there a trend now of people um, wanting, wanting I would to live say I would still be an outlier yeah it's I mean I, I took a large pay cut <laughs> coming home right. and and but then you know I'm less stressed I don't have to go through all the traffic every day. Yeah. I see people posting on social media, oh, the traffic in Manila is horrible. And you get, you get to run and bike. I get to run and bike when I want. Behind yeah. my house, there's a mountain. I could go bike. Um, I can just decide on an afternoon and yeah. go out to bike. And, and that's nothing. I, can, I can't do that in Manila. I have right. to plan it out for the weekend, get out, drive out, and all of that. And what about, what about the villages in, in the places you're putting the events on? Are they, I mean, there's some phenomenal... Filipino trail running talent and people, yeah. but are there are the locals inspired to join any of these events? Or? Uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, in Tinungdan, where we're doing the Cordillera Mountain Ultra yeah. uh, next year, and this year we did it there, we we've seen a lot of talent coming from even the women. There's yeah. a few women like Gretchen is one of those women. A lot of the younger generation, the ones who are in their teens in their twenties. A lot of them, we give free slots to these yeah. uh, to these kids, and a lot of them have talent. They live in these mountains. Sure. They you know they they run in these mountains. So they the so the, the ultras moved on. I think when we did it, it was in Dalu. Dalu. Dalu it's just a few a few okay. kilometers away. Yeah. Okay, yeah. absolutely stunning part of the world. Yeah, so yeah. I would highly recommend that to anyone who's uh, who's thinking of trying out a new a new destination. Um, and so, what about your own endurance background? So, you're a, do you think of yourself as a runner or a cyclist first or I, uh, I do a little bit. I, I used to be more of a cyclist, I would say, yeah. uh, hiker, cyclist, and then uh, when the roads started getting paved, I started doing more trail running because it's a bit more remote. The trail running was a bit more remote, and then lately I've been going back, trying to balance it out. Yeah. Essentially, uh, mountain biking, road cycling, running, a bit of hiking here and there. And is it is it the uh, the outdoors that attracts you, or the the endurance aspect of it, or a bit of everything? Uh, personally, it's more the outdoors. Yeah. It, for me, it's more the. Out- I've never been much of a racer. Okay. I, I've I, I joined races to travel. I joined races to see places, and I think that's why I've probably moved away from these long races that are one day, like hundred k's. Yeah. Or uh, I've done a couple preparing for the Dragon's Back, yeah. but. I've never enjoyed running where I don't see anything and and there's a there's a certain aspect to it that it's nice you're running at night you're right. just everything's so focused you hear every sound and sure. everything but then I really love seeing the environment yeah, if you've traveled to see it particularly yeah. it's kind of weird to spend the whole the whole time in the dark exactly exactly and and then you're you're so knackered basically right. so you, you you can't really appreciate all of this yeah. which is why I've I've I really like the Dragon's Back. Uh, it uh, it really appealed to me because it's a multi-day event. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it it's like when I used to do multi-day treks where you end the day and you're all in one camp. Yeah. There's a com- camaraderie around it, and then the next morning everybody sets out and you see each other on the trail. Yeah. And it's nice. And, and was know. that was that the first the, the first event you done outside of Asia? No, I've done Transvulcania okay. uh, last year, and um, that was really nice as well. Yeah. It's about 75 kilometers, and that was really festive. Yeah, that's a classic, classic it's, it's a classic, race, right? and, and it was the most fun race I've ever joined. I, I think the Spanish, they really know how to put on a race, especially right. Transvulcania, because it was like a party from the start to the finish line. There was there was people yeah. lined on the course everywhere. Even in the remotest parts, there's people with guitars, drinking wine, cheering you cheering on, cheering you on. Amazing, so, you know. You know yeah. yeah, 
And speaking of Spain, you would, so you were just over there quite recently, right? To, to yes, yeah, yeah. I was, um, I was in Morocco. Um, uh, a relative got married in Morocco, and uh, Salva Rambla, he yeah. invited me to come for the Ultra Guara Somontano. Okay. And there's sort of like a partner race for the CMU. We do some cross promotions yeah. together. And so I went and I joined their 38-kilometer race. That was a nice, nice yeah. run. So he, I mean, Alessandro, who we had on recently, was talking about the, Salva, the, the, yeah. the battle with Salva. Yeah. And so Salva, has, has, he, has he run the Cordillera? No, no, okay. but he's run the course. Like, okay. he came over last January. We, we ran a bit of the course yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. So, so you've done Transvulcania, but obviously nothing like... Um, Dragon's Back. No, nothing like Dragon's Back. So th that was just that was pushing your limits and, and seeing whether you could you could do it. How, yeah. how was that experience? That was I think it was the hardest thing I've ever done. Yeah. It's it's just so taxing on the body having to wake up every morning and run like seventy kilometers, right. seventy five kilometers, and and the terrain in Wales is absurd. <laughs> it's like this. There's no trails. Right. That it's like fell, fell yeah, running, it's right? Fell. Yeah, it's The concept of trail running, it's not, it's not really trail running. Right. <laughs> You're running on this just, it's trackless terrain and, okay. and everything's just so lumpy or yeah. rocky. Or, that was one of the mistakes I actually did training was not run enough on grass. Okay. Um, I, I ran a lot on the trails. I did a lot of elevation. I didn't do enough grass work, okay. which, which was a big chunk of like the third and fourth days of, yeah. of, of Dragon's back, and that, that was that it's was funny, so right? Because you'd think if you were just stepping back, <coughs> you'd think, well, the grass is the easy part. Yeah, not the not the rocky <laughs> yeah. technical trails, but <laughs> I love the I, I love the rocky technical trails. Right. I hated the grass. Right, that was the hardest part. So for I me. remember I remember vaguely kind of seeing that on Strava because you were posting your your, your daily training face yeah. when you were doing that. But right. What, so what what was that training block for you? How long did you train for Dragon's back? Um, in total, the, the preparation I did was like three years, I would say. Wow. Um, okay. A lot of people think you can, you can definitely, you can train for it in, in a year. Yeah. And you can prepare it for it. But you need, I'm a bit more conservative when it comes to training. And, and I believe you have to prepare your, your musculoskeletal right. system. It has to adapt first before you start doing all of these giant, you know. Yeah. I, I see so many runners now who jump from road to ultras and then they get injured because yeah. you know in a year essentially they do all of that and i believe in just you know structuring myself to, yeah. to adapt and uh the the real training block was about four months five yeah. months and that was that was a hard training block for me uh, it i think i peaked at about 60 hours a month right and and about Maybe twenty thousand meters elevation yeah. gain, thirty thousand meters. It's yeah. similar. I, I remember reading or, or hearing something that uh, Killian Jornet had said about people who kind of ask him how he can do the, the crazy volume of training he does every year, and he said, "But the, the thing is, it's not crazy for him because it's actually only ever a small increase on the year before. Yes, it's yes, just that yeah. he's been doing that level now for twenty something years. Exactly, it, it really, exactly, uh, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been doing endurance stuff for t almost twenty years right. now, and I've only. I've never gotten a repetitive use injury ever. I've, I've had ITB issues maybe four years ago when I started just running more and yeah. not biking. Yeah. <laughs> and, and after that, I started you know, balancing things out and, and I've never had any issues again. Yeah. But you, know, you, you twist an ankle, that's sort of normal yeah. when you do all of these things. But I see so many people jump into the longer distances so quickly and it's, it's not good for the sport, I yeah. think. A lot of, uh, I would say a lot of, um, race directors and race organizers keep pushing people to do the longer distances, longer distances. You see it on social media right. all the time. But it's not healthy for the community because, um, you know, it's, it's like a meat grinder. You right. 
put things in, people get out and they're injured and they, they, don't, they don't come back, you yeah. know. So you want to have a healthy balance between the distance and the fitness and of people's preparation, really. Is that is that why you've kind of capped the, the Cordillera Ultra at 50K? Rather than uh, that's one of the reasons. But one of the other reasons is we don't have the resources to do something longer. Yeah. I've, yeah. You've seen what kind of resources yeah. we put out on the course and we try and really do things um, to have a certain standard on our race. And we'd like to maintain that standard over a 100K distance or like a 100 mile distance. And if we can't do that, we don't have the resources to do that, then we're not yeah. gonna do it because yeah. uh, it's it's not fair to the competitors and we'd like to put on a good race. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you certainly did. I mean, it's an amazing <coughs> experience. And the nice thing was because I think we start, I forget what time we started, 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Yeah, so it's dark for, 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 for not very long actually. Yeah. And you, you've kind of run along that uh, the river at first. But then you get to appreciate the, all the climbs yeah. and, and as you go up into that, the, the pine forest yeah, and things yeah. like that. And it's that distance means you can, you can, if you wanted to, you could really race it. Yep. You know, it's, yep. um, I mean, the temptation, at least I found, was you just want to stop and take in the view yeah. and take pictures and things. But, um, but it's a pretty spectacular setting. Um, so then, so you've, you've, apart from occasional ITB stuff, you've not had any, any real injury. But so apart from building up over the years, do you, do you have any techniques of recovery and... Um, uh, do you I've do a lot of stretching? And I've started doing yoga. Okay. Um, I, when I started getting the ITB stuff three years ago, I, I started yoga, and that's that's been a big help for me. Yeah, I'm also at just home. A, just a small practice yourself, and yeah. in, in, in uh, sometimes, classes? I, sometimes I do classes, okay. sometimes I do myself, and then I've I've started being I'm a vegetarian at home. Not okay. when I travel. I'm okay. I, when I travel, I eat anything. Yeah. Yeah. Essentially, but at home, I'm a vegetarian, so we, we eat vegetables at home. My dog has meat, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but we have vegetables at home, and um, a lot of stretching, a lot of resting. I'm I'm very conscious of recovery. Yeah. Especially after the dragon's back, like and training for the dragon's back, I'm very conscious of recovery, nutrition. Yeah. I eat a lot of good nutrition. Um, lots of food. I also use the. Um, we bring in Unived now, and so we, yeah. we have Unived nutrition for the recovery. The recovery mix is really good. And um, what, So what we, after each day on the Dragon's Back, after the 70, 80K each day, what were you doing? Just, just getting to bed as quickly as you could? Basically, I do a bit of a stretch after okay. the day, eat, drink some recovery mix, eat, yeah. and then just go to bed. Yeah. I don't even shower anymore <laughs> because it was... I'm, I'm not the fastest runner on the Dragon's yeah. Back. I'm basically... I was probably in the bottom 20%, okay. I would say. And then, so I come in at about 12 to 14 hours. And yeah. at that time, you're, you're there, you, you get into camp at 7.30, 8 p.m. Yeah. You just want to eat, get as much sleep as you can and wake up the next morning. Were you, ru- were you running with anyone in part of the way? I was running with Eugene Tan. Oh, yeah. he's, okay. a, he's a race director of the MMTF uh-huh. that's happening in a few weeks. Yeah. And... He, he was a great we were in the same tent and he was a great runner and on the last day he really helped me out I, I made a mistake on the fourth day with my nutrition okay I felt really good on the fourth day so I was running really well yeah. and and I forgot to eat <laughs> and and towards the last 15k it's like oh I started to feel the bonk coming on yeah so I, I had maybe 10 gels in the last 15k but it, it didn't do anything right. anymore and so the next the next day, uh, on the on the on the last day of the race, I was yeah. just suffering from start to finish. Right. And Eugene would normally he would start. He's a little slower than me, so he start maybe thirty minutes, forty five minutes ahead of me. Okay. And then I catch up with him on the on the course. Yeah. And on the last day, I said, Eugene, I'm coming with you today <laughs> because I don't feel good. I'm, yeah. You know, I'm gonna s- slop through the I day. I don't. I don't think anyone finds that race easy. We had we had Abby on, and he 
I mean, he did fantastic. He well, did fantastic. But he, he yeah. really struggled, I think, yeah. through the middle part of that race. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he did. He had a hard time, I think, just uh, with nutrition as well. Yeah, no, he had a hard time and with drinking nutrition. coke and things like that, trying to keep it down. He yeah, just, he really yeah. struggled. But, but he did really well. He would. He would because we. We started different times every day. Yeah. The faster runners start later, and yeah. as, as slower runners start earlier. And Abby would start maybe an hour, hour and a half after I would, right. and he would catch me on the course. <laughs> and he's just annoying because he just always looks so fresh. Yeah, and his, he looks his so hair's fresh. Always his hair's always so pristine. So nice. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, that was that was a fun race though. I, I really enjoyed it. The the race organization was really really good. I think one of the best I've ever joined. Yeah. And are you the first Filipino to complete it? Yes, I was the Amazing. first Filipino. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there will be someone else uh, yeah. in in a few years. Especially they've seen oh it can be done. You right. Know, that's always something. And then uh, and the the environment was fantastic. It was just beautiful. The first day. Sounds like you got quite lucky with the weather. I think. Very lucky. Very lucky. In fact, it was hot. Right. <laughs> it was hot on the third day. It was hot. And we had a bit of rain on the fourth day, and I think we dipped into like sub-zero temperatures on the second day. Right. Yeah, but generally, it was we, we didn't have any bad weather. What about um, events around Asia that you've done? Did you you did make, you did 100k in Thailand? Was it? Yes, or? I did uh, Ultra Trail Nan. Okay. The, the race director is a friend, so we go to each other's races. Right. That was a nice race. A nice community vibe. Right. It's it's in a it's in a remote part, similar to the Cordillera. We. Yeah. You, you have to take a plane and then a, a, an hour an hour car ride to get to the race venue and yeah. it's nice nice little village the race the community there is really good and fun yeah. I got I, I had the request I went there the year before to cover it for Asia Trailmaster and they served me some worms and you know in the, right. the bamboo worms in the right. in the in the in the one of the aid stations and I said oh you know next year I'm going to join you have to have okay. these worms for me at the aid station so <laughs> when I got to the aid station they're cooking up the worms oh here's worms for you in the aid station it's, it's a pretty unique nutrition strategy so yeah. it's not you didn't take them with you to uh, Dragon's Back no no <laughs> no so <clears throat> what about bucket list what about you've taken some time off I think after Dragon's Back I'm taking some time off I'd like to do less races um, it's racing is nice but then you have to train for all of these right. things you can't just keep racing and racing and I would say I used to do more treks with my wife, like long treks. We do two weeks. We, mm -hmm. we, we trek through Switzerland, the whole, the whole of Switzerland, basically, from east to west yeah. for 14 days. We've done Patagonia and a lot of these areas. And I'd like to do a bit more of that. And racing is a little selfish sometimes. Mm -hmm. you, know, you, you do it yourself. And, you know, well, not just, not just the race itself, but the training. Also the training, it yeah. takes you away. And it, it just a lot of time. Yeah. So I'd like to take some time away from that and do just, just have fun, just to go out without the training plan. Yeah. You know, get on my mountain bike and not think about, oh, my training block this right. week is this, this one. But well, especially if you live somewhere so special that you can... Yeah, exactly. Even exactly. a short ride or, or yeah. run is going to take you yeah. to some, some nice environments. Yeah. So in terms in terms of time, like w now that you're you know one of your many hats is your your race director for the ultra, like how how does that work? How far in advance are you planning the event? And we usually plan a year in advance. Okay. A uh, year in advance, we're working on on the course. We're working on things that we can change uh, from the new, last new year. New T-shirts, uh, designs, yeah. and all of these things. Um, now with with the course pretty much set, that's that's the easy part, and the harder part of organizing really for me is having to deal with politicians mm -hmm. and and because of the way we do our race, we also have to deal with the villagers mm -hmm. and developing them for for basically to accept homestays, create that kind of adventure economy, and sometimes you have to deal with things like 
village gossip, which you know it's not a nice thing. Right. But but you have to deal with that, and you have to start. You have to learn to to work with that essentially, right. because sometimes they'll ask you, "Oh, why did you give the food contract to this person or you know that person or, okay. or things like that?" So so that's that's stuff that we have to deal with on a on a yearly basis. Are the are the government generally supportive or kind of indifferent to it? Um, they're generally supportive now, especially because we've. We, we generate a lot of income right. for the local community, so they've they've been supportive. But we've had our difficulties with the government as well. Depends on who is in the position, right. and and uh, one of the reasons we actually moved from Dalpirip to Tinungdan mm-hmm. is they changed their their administration, and the the new administration was not so supportive. Okay, so we had to move to another place. Although we the course is almost eighty percent the same. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what about other races then? I mean, it, it does seem like the, the scene in the Philippines in particular has exploded. There's so yeah. many strong Filipino trail runners oh, yeah, yeah. winning races around the region. And, yeah, John Ray. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Koi Gray is another Koi one. Koi as well, yeah. Yeah. Have you, have you raced elsewhere in the Philippines? I've done... Um, there's, a, there's some nice races. Although I choose my races based on a few things. Because I'm a race director, I choose them first how well they're organized right so because i i, I join a race and it's like oh they could do better in this and right could, you know it's it's like you have it, it just goes through your head yeah, <laughs> when you yeah my, my wife's a, an interior designer it's, and it's difficult even going to a very nice hotel because it'll yeah. always be as a designer herself she'll she'll see what they've done wrong yeah yeah so and then the second is how nice the area is so because I, I like to travel and i like to see different areas so there's one race i do up north in bontok it's called the tawid mountain marathon and okay. And it's been going on almost as long as we have. It's much more difficult to get to, but right. I like I like going there because the the views are nice, yeah. the community is nice, and it's well organized. So yeah. I, go, I go to that one. And there's one happening I think right now. It might even have just finished the the Punisher. The Punisher, yeah, that was in Davao, uh, yeah. southern Philippines. I've never been to that area to race. Okay, but yeah, that would be something interesting. Yeah, and uh, what about the future? You've got. Um, the race coming back again next year and, and you've just done the t- it's the 10th anniversary of the the Cordillera Challenge, Cordillera yeah. Challenge. Are you, is, that, is that it? Are you going to take oh, some time off with the race? The, the we're bike? doing the, we're doing a bit more next year uh, a mix of things we're doing of course the Cordillera Mountain Ultra uh, we've started um, the Cordillera Challenge will sort of end this year we're doing the Epic as, as uh-huh. the main mountain bike race okay. for next year and the challenge people can sign up for the one day or the two days for the Epic Rather, uh, and because we splitting the mountain bike race into two just doesn't make sense for us anymore. Yeah. And then uh, we're doing also a road bike fondo, mountain fondo next year. Uh, around around Baguio? Or no, no. Actually, we're doing it up north okay. in Ifugao where, where the rice terraces are, uh-huh. a really beautiful heritage area. The nice thing now is all these back roads are paved. Okay. So it's a really nice mountain bike route, about 100 kilometers. You can do it in eight hours right. on, on a road bike. And the views are fantastic. There's hardly any cars. You'll probably see one or two cars on the whole Amazing. 100K. So that's nice. And the, the remoteness of the events. So what does that mean in terms of the, the, the participants? Do you get a lot of international people coming in now? Well, for the CMU, for the, for the Ultra, we get 30 nationalities, actually. Amazing. And I, I was quite surprised, given how hard it is to get to. You've been, yeah, to, yeah. You've been to the race. We, we've gotten, I think, last March, we had 30% were for foreign nationalities uh-huh. so so that I'm, I'm quite thankful that people are coming to the race I think um, a lot of the foreigners also 
are grateful of the way we organize the race and it it feels safe it feels secure yeah and i think that's one of the reasons we've gotten a lar larger surge it, it felt certainly felt like a kind of the perfect way of experiencing that part yeah. of the world you know i think turning up by yourself trying to find where your way you go and and then trying to map a route would just be exactly you know, next exactly. impossible but but knowing knowing it's a, a sort of safe managed environment but you're still getting those those wild spaces is yep. pretty amazing yep and so so you've you've added some events this year though for the for the cmu you've yes we've added some events we have when you did it we didn't have a 10k right we also added a canicross canicross race so that's that's if you want to run with your dog that's if you want to run with your dog that's 10 kilometers as right well. yeah is that the first in the Philippines? It's the first in the Philippines. I actually I haven't seen many around Asia. I haven't seen any around Asia right. as well. So that's pretty amazing. So I mean, because you, your dog is, has sort of become a, a celebrity in his own <laughs> right, right? It's more popular than I am. <laughs> <laughs> so right. sometimes I'm running on the trail and people say, "Oh, it's Pacha," and they they don't talk right. to me at all. They're like, "Oh, I didn't see the dog." Because you do you do you do guiding with the with Pacha, right? Yes, that's that's sort of my wife's thing. I'm I'm okay. I'm more the porter. <laughs> more the porter. <laughs> right. but, but yeah, we we've been. We've been doing this uh, since last year because we post a lot of photos on our on our social media accounts and where we go with Pacha. Right. And all of these dog owners started asking us, oh, you know, can you organize something for us or can we come with you? Yeah. Or, or all of this. So my wife said, oh, why don't we why don't we put something together? And and are these are these just friends of yours locally or are they, these people from the city who want to? They're from the city. We so don't they're know. They're sort of rewilding uh, their, yeah, their rewilding. dog somehow. It's amazing. You see yeah. the dogs, they, they come on the trip. They've been in an apartment for most of their lives and then you release them out into the mountains right. it's like it's almost like a natural thing it, yeah it's amazing yeah and so Pasha then so she she leads the way and Pasha leads the way okay yeah. amazing and mostly be, because she's the most experienced uh, against the other dogs yeah. she's able to essentially lead all of them they follow her right. up the mountain and all of that so what are, what are the I mean I, what are the rules you have to stay stay with your dog the whole way through or are you um, one of well, of course, they have to have all the shots and, right. and all of that. But one of the main rules we have is the dog has to have good recall. Okay. So when you call them, they have to come back. Right. Or else you have to keep them on a leash. Right. Um, one that's because some of the areas we go to, there are horses. Yeah. You know, yeah. Things like that, and you don't want your dog to get kicked by a horse, or sure. or the the dog will harass the horse or things like that. So. But that so, race, that race environment is going to be interesting for them because I thought as soon as you start running with the dog, it's going to get pretty excited. About That's true, yeah. But, but for the canicross, you need to have the dog leash. Okay. You have to have a um, waist leash. A harness. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and a harness. So the canicross is sort of a European, European racing thing, mm -hmm. and the dog essentially supposed to be it's supposed to pull you. Okay. The dog's supposed to be faster. Give than you a you. toe on the yeah, on the trails. Give you a toe on the trails. So on the on the, on our trail it's 10k with about 300 meters of elevation gain. So at some point most of the dogs will probably be towed by the owners. <laughs> I, <laughs> I would think, because of the heat, it's it's a bit hotter uh -huh. where we are. The the canyon cross is starting at about 6:30. It's still cool. Right. But then uh, do most dogs in the Philippines aren't that used to running that yeah. long, except yeah. maybe Pacha and a few other okay. dogs. So they have to start training. Can she enter or is she she's disqualified because she's she knows the the race organizer. Uh, sh my wife wants to enter. Okay, she amazing. probably won't win <laughs> because I've seen the uh, some of the ones who are joining are like yeah. real professionals, <laughs> bringing their greyhounds <laughs> and things like yeah, that. Yeah. And then you've got you've now got a vertical kilometer race as well. Yes, we've been doing that since the second edition. Uh -huh. I think you had it when we were there. Uh, yeah, we, we weren't right. there in yeah, time to do right. it. Yeah. Uh, we had it since 2017. It was the first vertical kilometer race in the Philippines, and for me, it's my favorite race format right. at the moment because. 
it's just short and sharp. It's and short, and everybody's just punching, and and you can see, you can see everyone all the way to the top. Amazing. Yeah. So so you're if you want to chase someone down, you can chase someone down. You know, it's it's not. What's like the a, what's the, the the distance? Five 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 k. Five k. Five k with about. Now we have a new course. Now it's about nine hundred meters elevation gain. Okay. Still, it's pretty tough. And what's what are the what are the winning times normally? About forty five. Yeah. We had um, one of the Japanese. What's what's his name? Uh, Matsunaga. Okay. Last twenty eighteen, and he did it in like forty one or something yeah. like that, really fast. And the people are they entering that and then running the, the ultra there, the next day? There's a few. Yeah. A few crazy ones who do that. It, it's tough on the legs. What's the, what's the course record on the on the ultra? Who's who's got that? John Ray, John okay. Ray Onifa. He's five thirty. Yeah. Five thirty. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, amazing time. Yeah, five thirty. I think we were we were around eight hours or something, and that was that's pretty good time. That's pretty. Good yeah, time. about two and a half. I mean, it's not it's not a particularly long course to be coming in. No, in, in five no, and a half. Yeah. That's fantastic. But the but the elevation gain on the course is quite significant. So it's yeah. the new course has three thousand. 200 it's short it's a shorter course and it's still going up around mount U- yes Ugo? It, it's still going up around mount ugo it's a shorter yeah. course but it's a bit sharper so there's about 3200 meters elevation gain on yeah. the course yeah so the, the the finish times are about the same the same and then you you did your first trail running retreat yes yes that I mean, was, was that was, was so much i, I was due to come i gutted that i couldn't be there <laughs> yeah, that was, that was that's fun. the hardest thing about social media is then seeing exactly what you missed out on right but right that was that was how fun. did it go yeah that was fun i think that was that that's sagada sagada that okay. was in sagada and i personally had fun it it's much less stressful than putting together right. a, a race and i actually started it because i didn't want to have that whole stress of putting the putting yeah. the race together and i wanted people to come just for fun you know not so much a lot of yeah. a lot of the community now is race this race that race that and longer and longer and longer and longer and longer and, yeah. longer and you want you want to go out just have fun see the environment and run and yeah and you still get a good workout anyway even if you're slow you're fast you get right. a good workout and that was fun we had five days uh, about eight people came and there are two people from malaysia mostly from the philippines yeah and we did about 80 kilometers that week about five maybe eight thousand meters of elevation gain wow pretty nice. good. yeah and so will you do another one You'll yeah definitely one we have one in july the yeah. same the same one same same dates july end of july okay for for the trail running retreat yeah and um you mentioned earlier about asia Trailmaster and how you, you'd been over as to sort of represent them how is being part of them when we we you know we had alessandro on last week and um uh, john ellis who's competing right. kind of in the series this year but how has being part of that helped with the organization of the race or well the, it's definitely helped profile, our international profile yeah uh, we've gotten more international people come in and it's nice to be part of a community you yeah know, it's always nice to be part of a community and chris the the guy who started asia trail master is really working hard yeah we need on, to get him on the podcast on, on putting together uh all of these different races different uh-huh. it's it's quite diverse if you look at the 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 portfolio that yeah. Asia Trail Master has, I still think he has a little too many races on it. Right, it's just too much. You can't. Right. there's something just, almost every weekend. Yeah. yeah, there's something every weekend, and it's not. It's pro- particularly not good for the elites, I think. Right, to be racing that much. Yeah, and if you if you've seen the elites, the ones who have won the Asia Trail Master uh-huh. over the last five years, no yeah. one's repeated. Right. Ever. They've always been injured. injured right. Well, Alessandro is injured this year. Yeah. They've, okay. All of them have been injured. Right. Even the That's women. Really interesting. All of them have yeah. been injured. Ruth, Alessandro, 
every champion, right. <laughs> essentially <laughs> Stephen Ong. <laughs> so, but but all these races, it's for for instance, it's it's wonderful to travel to. Right, you get to go to all of these different countries in Southeast Asia, and they're quite different from, let's say, the Ultra Trail World Tour races, yeah. which are very. I would say European. Yeah, they were very yeah, yeah. European. So there's one in Japan and all of these areas, and the Asia Trail Master races are very Asian. There's there's this spice yeah. to it. You yeah, know? yeah, and they all feel the ones we've done. They all feel very local in their own way. They're very which local, is great. exactly. So exactly. really, the ATM is just the kind of the banner, but they they all have their own character. And yes, yes. There's the ones in Thailand are are very unique. The ones in Malaysia are also very right. unique, and they all bring their own unique things. Like the aid station food is different, right? And and the character of the communities in all of these areas. There's a raw rawness yeah, yeah, that yeah. you don't get in if you if you join a European race. Right. Well, I saw yesterday UTMB have just announced a second edition of a race, a different race in China. So they've now got two oh, in China. Wow. But and I'm sure I'm sure it's a great race. But yeah, there's something about the fact that it's by UTMB right. and they're, 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 they're sort of slightly overly corporate. It is. Well, now it is. Now right. Now right. Now yeah. Yeah. So okay. So you've got the you've got the the running event and the biking event. Do you think? you be adding anything else in over well, time? I think we want to add a bit more of non-racing events, mm-hmm. which is why we're starting the um, Cycling Fondo, yeah. which is not a race. So okay. it's more of like a bike tour. A community. Uh, and a, yeah, a, okay. a bike community tour. And then we're having the, the trail running retreat. And uh, we'd like to move a bit more into that, a little less into the... We'll, we'll still keep the big races there, yeah. but we, we want to get people more into... It's like a day-to-day thing that yeah. you can do all the time, essentially. So it's sort of it's paralleled your own development and as a as a runner yourself, you've kind of you've gone through a period of wanting to race and yes, yes, do that kind yeah, of thing, and then take yeah. your foot off a bit and, and explore more. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I started with exploring, and then I get got into racing, and right. now I'm getting back a little bit more into exploring, and getting into the community, just more relaxed and not having to do the training block. What's your What's your next adventure? What's your next trip? My next trip, actually, we don't have one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, blank slate, okay. Yeah, blank slate for next year. Normally, I've already planned out my next year, but norm- now I've, I only plan to do up to a 21K races. Right. F- things that I can do on my regular fitness that yeah. I don't need to train for. Right. And a lot of mountain bike races, probably. If there, There's yeah. not so many mountain right. bike races around the region, yeah. so I'd like to do a bit more. Yeah, there's no, as far as I know, there's no equivalent of Asia Trailmaster for that yet. Right? No, no. We've, I've actually discussed this with Chris because right. our race used to be a partner of their race in Genghis Khan, the, the, okay. one, the, the one in Inner Mongolia. Yeah. So we went to the race there. It's a great event, Okay. Inner Mongolia race. And they have, it's a three-day stage race, mountain bike, Yeah. and also a marathon so you do three days of stage race on the second day you do a marathon and a mountain bike right race that, that was tough <laughs> it was a hard one but it's a nice race so we did, yeah. we did that yeah yeah um maybe we can wrap up with some some quick fire questions um i mean you, so you mentioned your your training and recovery what about kit that you use what any any piece of kit that you'd swear by that's under a hundred dollars under a hundred dollars um, i would say this one road id Okay. Uh, it's I don't know. It's ten dollars. Yeah. Twenty dollars, I think. And I carry it with me everywhere because I I train a lot alone. Yeah. And so it's important if they find my body. Right. <laughs> they can identify it. Right. <laughs> Tell my wife. Important for other people. Maybe yeah. not so much for you, but yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, but what about kit? Otherwise, you did, what did you run in for Dragon's Back? I run in uh, Raid Light. Raid okay. Light kit. Raid Light uh, supports my yeah. my running, so the, I I use their vest. It's really nice. Really hugs the body. Yeah. 
and their clothing as well is really really good i mean the french stuff is like cutting edge yeah yeah and recovery nutrition you're using univet we now. use univet yeah okay use univet. have you had does that mean you get access to their their other runners around the world is that you've got hayden hawks i think is a, a univet ambassador is is he going to come and race your cmu do you think well hopefully he comes he he's been interested okay. for for last year he yeah. was interested and i think the the schedules didn't yeah. didn't align harry jones has, has raced that's right harry yeah. jones has done it in 2018 he won the race yeah and then but you went to you went to india to talk to the univet guys yourself yes right? I, I went to india did you race while you were there i did uh srt i did a short distance in the srt okay. it's a really nice area yeah pune i think it's north of uh yeah. mumbai and really nice you you pass through some remote areas yeah. some old forts in, right. in, in the mountains yeah I mean you nice. talk about distances within the Philippines distances in India are something else altogether just getting yeah. getting to races and things like that yeah. um, what about um, books or podcasts or, or anything inspiring that you listen uh, to or read well I listen to a lot of Tim Ferriss Malcolm Gladwell yeah the outside podcast is really good yeah the outside podcast is really good and um your podcast, obviously. <laughs> I just listened to it last night. Yeah, well, thanks for saying that. But yeah, and what about, I mean, is there anything you've, you've changed or you've, you've changed your mind about anything over the last few years in terms of how you train or how you race or, um, or even just how you live your life? Have you? Well, training for the Dragons back, I actually got a coach a couple of years ago from here, from Singapore, John Fong. I don't know okay. if you know him. He used, we used to partner with him for the CMU, yeah. so he would give training plans for all of our runners. So, so that's one of the things that I've done. And, and what, did, what did he change about the way you were training? Or is it just more about structure? More about structure, okay. really. More about structure and listening to my body and being yeah. able to... I don't, I don't use it so much anymore because I can sort of gauge where I am yeah. in my fitness and I just adapt to that. And I didn't use it for the, the main block of the Dragon's Back. Yeah. And I just did a lot of volume for that one. I don't think there's a plan that can right. simulate that 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 kind of racing yeah. but yeah and, and just being more relaxed now it's yeah. um i'm getting a bit older i'm 38 and and essentially just taking taking some time off from racing even from work and yeah and just taking more time yeah to enjoy yourself then. just to enjoy yeah. myself yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah what about people is there anyone you particularly look up to from the world of running or otherwise mm. Yvonne Chinard, oh, yeah, okay. Patagonia. Yeah. It's been someone I look up to for a while. Yeah. You know? yeah. 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 So what's your next race? Well, I don't know. We, so we had a baby six weeks ago. That's right. That's right. And I, I feel like it's funny. I was saying to Scott, I feel like such a fraud doing this at the moment because we're meeting all these inspiring people who are doing all these crazy races and I'm struggling to get out for 5K at the moment. But... Um, <clears throat> I think I might try and do some more of the Asia Trailmaster next year. Oh, yeah, but yeah. a little bit like you're saying, I just turned 41. Um, I don't know at the moment, if I expect it's two young kids, I don't want to be doing... Yeah, the 100Ks where it's you need to train so much. It's not even the 100K so race, it's the training. It's the training, It's the time yeah. away for training. Yeah. Like, I think exactly like you were saying, if I can... T so I did, um, last year on my 40th birthday, I did the Mesa Stiller. Mesa Stiller, that's a tough race. It's a tough race, but I <laughs> only did the 21. Right, right. But it was great. I woke up at six... My wife and our first daughter were <coughs> going to sleep. I did the race. They were at the finish line three hours later. Yeah. And then the rest of the day, you can... Perfect, right? It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. You're, not, you're not destroyed yeah. from racing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's definitely... There's definitely a culture of just going longer and longer and longer. Yeah, which yeah, it, it, and it's it, hard it. to resist, right? Even, even, when you, <laughs> you, even if you feel like, oh, it's not quite for me, but it's... Um, I have a friend, actually. He, he serves the beer at our race. You, 
You had okay. beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? He I had a beer I had a, and, the, and the coffee. You have the coffee there as well, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. And he's one of the strongest runners I know. Right. He's always on the podium of our race, but yeah. he never does anything longer than a 21K. Right. So he always he's always on the podium of the VK and the 21K. Right. So for him, doing a 50K, is like, oh, no, I have to get back to my beer and start, yeah, start, yeah, yeah. start setting beer and all of that. So... So yeah, there's a guy in the US called um, Joe Gray. Joe Gray, yeah, I know right? him. I've Who, been following him. Yeah, and he only seems to race up to, yeah, 20, 20 maybe 30 k. Like yeah. he's not, but smashing it, wins smashing everything. It. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But um, just has has resisted that temptation yeah. to. I mean, there's no need. It's right. Personally, a lot of, I think in Asia in particular, Ed Salva was telling me this that in Asia, it's the f- when he came to Asia, it was yeah. the first time he ever did 100 k. Okay. And he's my age. Yeah. So, he's like semi-pro in, in, in Spain he's okay. like one of the faster runners there and he said nobody in Spain starts out doing all of these yeah, long yeah, distances yeah. you start out like 20 30k right. and, and then you, you progress yeah. and then you eventually when you're in your 40s then you start doing right. 100k but it's funny even here I mean and it's, it's, it's amateur people like me who so you, you'll see them training at Team and they've, they've, they may have raced 50k once yeah. and then they're going straight up to 100 yeah and I think that what you're saying, I think, is so true about you need years to build your you body years, up. To, yeah. I mean, you might be able to get away with it for one race, but then you're yeah, definitely you're you're going to be done. I, I mean, I've been doing endurance sports for almost twenty years, and I only did my first hundred k in twenty seventeen. Right. So that, and before I did that, I did maybe five fifty k. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, I jumped from like 100k to 300, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's a little bit different when it's multi-day. But when it's multi-day, yeah, it's, it's it's a bit different. Like the one, the one Abby just did the the, the 230 Chang Rai one. That was just one just day, though. Was yeah, like it was non-stop, right? Non-stop. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. It's something we've <laughs> we've not really dug into on the podcast yet because we we're sort of celebrating all these stories. But there's part of it, you know, you want to sort of also take them to one side and say, you know, are you okay? Why is it you're pushing yourself? Week yeah. in, week out, and doing these I these see crazy so many runners, and and we've seen our race has probably one of the higher return rates right. for runners. We, we get a lot, even foreigners yeah. come back to yeah, our yeah. race every year, even though it's it's you know not exactly the easiest, easiest to get yeah. to. But because our distance is friendly, right? You get back to the to the finish line at fifty kilometers. You're there in eight hours, and yeah. you're not so knackered. You, yeah. you know, yeah, you can yeah, still yeah, enjoy yeah. your night, and you can enjoy the community. Unlike a hundred k, you just want to, you know, just want right. to go to bed. <laughs> just want to go to bed. No, I remember that, and it was just, yeah, just being able to enjoy being out there, knowing yeah. that, you know, maybe you'll be out there eight, nine, ten hours. But exactly, exactly. yeah, and it was special. Oh well, I hope it goes well this year. Yeah, thank you. Well, well year, if you can come by, come do. Yeah, yeah, no, one. we'd love to. And I, that, that, I'm so yeah. Sagada looked. I've always wanted to go Sagada. Not not even from a trail running, but it just it's always seemed like such a special Sagada place. Sagada is nice. Uh, we're we're there. I'm there maybe three or four times a year. Yeah. We spend the New Year's there. Okay. Normally, and just just me and a couple of friends, and right. we're just running or biking. Yeah, yeah. And whatever, just drinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's the the when you, I saw I saw on your Strava like, uh, Camp John Hay? Is that where you run around? That's that normally where I go. So what is that? What is it? Just a, a forest or a? It's a big forest. Right. Okay. It's a big Looks forest. beautiful. The picture. It's beautiful. And the nice thing about Camp John Hay is that you can go as far as you want. Right. Literally, you can go on fo- different trails. Yeah. Yes. You can go from John Hay all the way to our course. Okay. On the CMU. Right. So you can do up to 70k if you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But that's where I train. Because I can do anything from within a, within a four hour window. Yeah. I can do up to 
21k. Yeah. On 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 all 90% trail. Yeah. So, so that's good. That looks pretty special. Yeah. If you come over, we can just run. Well, we let you know. I mean, my brother's gonna. He lives over in Spain. He's gonna come over. Scott and I want to go and take him somewhere. So maybe we could come up there. Yeah, and yeah. The, the running just looks incredible. Yeah. Um, Philippines is the undiscovered country in Southeast I think it's Asia. unbelievable I mean because we, we do we do Philippine Airlines magazine as well as right. Super Pacific that's right so I'm in and out of Manila a lot and I saw you were running in Manila actually in the, along the, the, the waterfront I but love that area it's yeah, lovely it's but you just I, I, it kills me every time that we're just in Manila and you can sort of see the mountains just out of reach right. and then we're flying back to Singapore and that's right there's sadly very, very few hills here but so. you know now where there's a bus yeah it's a deluxe bus and it takes four hours to get to Baguio okay non-stop bus really quick so you can you can spend like go in the evening you get the bike in the morning okay. and then you take the bus back it goes straight to the airport yeah also, yeah so it's easy yeah i forget because when we drove we drove up we got a driver to to come up for the race but then there's baguio but then there's baguio yeah. onto that period was another quite a long it's way an hour, well, right? it's yeah. an hour yeah yeah remember because we had a, we had a flight to catch on there but just baguio has lots of trails already. yeah 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 it looks incredible well let's let's see if we can we can arrange something yeah, yeah. thanks so just much for making know. time Oh no problem. Um, yeah, we uh, we've loved that race ever since we did it. So it's great. Yeah, 2017. That was yeah, that was a nice. I can't remember nice who won year. it that year. I think Harry Jones raced 2018. Right? 2018. That yeah. year it was like a joint win by Marcelino, the guy who died, uh, yeah. and, and uh, Arnold. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Kind of yeah. No, I remember seeing when Harry Harry raced it. The uh, Harry smashed it. Well, I know because yeah, of course all the Strava segments are the same ones we ran, right? So suddenly yeah. you realize how slowly you were going compared to someone like that. They, you know how how long it took them from from the village to the summit? It took them two hours. Wow. Two hours. I remember thinking when because we, we, you run down the river, right? You cross over through the sort of through a village or something, and, and then, then you, you climb that. You hit that right? climb. That yeah. climb was so, and it was. I mean, it was incredible because it was just around. Sun was just about right, breaking at that point. It, yeah. But um, but it's pretty relentless, and um. But what was special? I think it's a really nice design course because that, that what was really special is once you get up, once you've done the climbing, yeah. you're kind of done, right? Like yeah, you're you, kind of done. It's it's sort of a runnable. It's runnable section. and it's the, that that lovely kind of cushioned yeah. pine trail, and then there's a few more climbs at the bottom when you come back down to the river and then up it. But um, yeah, you feel like you've earned it then because you've done the exactly you've done the climbs. Exactly. And it's nice because the course, the way we design our course, we never design a course for the distance. Yeah. So we always design a course around a natural path. Right. So we don't say right because it's, it's not exactly fifty. It's right? not exactly fifty. Yeah. So we don't say oh fifty and everything like, out and back. Right. And right. 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 <laughs> so, so whenever like so our course this year is like forty seven. Yeah. Because that's what the mountain provides. Right. And we don't really say oh we'll make it fifty k just by putting it down this way and coming back. And yeah. I yeah, hate yeah. courses. <laughs> that's one of one of the things like if I look at a course profile and like oh they're going out and back I'm not coming to this <laughs> yeah 50.00 you know, you know there's something fake about it I guess yeah um, yeah I just listened yeah. to Alessandro last night yeah 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 great accent yeah it's, I said to Scott I was like, it's like listening to Killian or somebody talking yeah, it's yeah. just uh, somehow makes him seem like a more serious trail runner but yeah, um, yeah super we, uh, super competitive yeah I know, but, and also someone who's gone from kind of nothing right I have right, no idea also. I mean he'd done mountain biking as a kid but that's right hadn't really run and then suddenly he's winning races and uh that's right that's right um there's a guy here pablo diago diago yeah. as well he's pretty strong um yeah, i think he's come to the philippines a couple of right. times right yeah. for john ellis you know he's like super strong runner he's in the philippines now yeah i think so. i think they they must have nearly finished that probably yeah, it's only right. 50k so Let's see because i think he could he could win the done by now 
I was gonna see on Facebook. It's him and Hisashi. Right. The the problem though with the course, the races in the south, they're hot. They're right. like extremely hot. Is Deval, I mean, it's just my ignorance, but is Deval safe now? Is it a, safe, yeah, safer? Yeah, it's pretty safe. Okay. Ah, Hisashi won it. Oh, Hisashi won it. Yeah. John got third. Oh, third. Yeah. It was a local, I guess. Beating. Yeah, yeah. Arnie, Arnie Makanenres. Oh, that's yeah. a strong guy. That's a strong guy. Yeah, there's so much talent there. Davao is safe. It's, you know. Yeah. Duterte's. Oh, it's his hometown, hometown right? Hometown. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Just don't, don't like speak against Duterte <laughs> there, or else you know. You get <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and another guy. This guy came fourth. Who looks? This guy's only 19. Oh wow. wow. Yeah. There's actually very, very strong runners in Mindanao. Okay. It's just, it's it's our Myanmar. Right. Mi Mindanao is our Myanmar. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's a lot of strong runners undiscovered. And it's, there's a huge population there, so. And like you said, it's people growing up in the mountains, right? Yeah. And so yeah. they're just super strong. And like uh, John Ray's from the Visayas, right? And you know he he's had a hard life. But he wasn't even. I think wasn't he like a fisherman? Like he wasn't. He was even, like a fisherman. He yeah. wasn't like anyone. It wasn't like a mountain goat. He was. No, no, no. Um, he was a runner, like a like flat tra track flat runner. Okay, okay. And, and he tried joining the army, but I think he was too short. Okay. So he wasn't. He wasn't. Got and then. He raced. He did our race actually, yeah. and then he did the uh, Thailand uh, North Face. Yeah, and a few people helped him out. They they sent an email to the North Face Adventure team, and they were waiting at the finish line. Yeah, when yeah, he finished, yeah. like oh, okay, that's like, that's I like guess that's that. somewhere the Asia Trail Masters is really great actually because you know that this the local guy who just finished second. Had that just been a local race in the Philippines, yeah. no one else is going to hear about exactly, that really, right? Exactly. And so now it's on Facebook, and everyone knows who he is. Exactly. It's um, a lot of people, like a lot of Filipinos, probably, or may maybe a lot of the elites. They don't sometimes they don't think Asia Trail Master is that like a serious, right. serious trail running event. But I think for Southeast Asians in particular, it has more value than joining uh, Ultra Trail World Tour yeah. because you get known. Right. You know, you're not gonna get known if you finish twentieth. Yeah. 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 Even if you finish fifteenth or tenth. Right. On a UTWT right. race, you're not gonna get well known. But you finish like in the top three in the Asia Trail Master yeah. series, the whole of Southeast Asia right. is gonna. And they gonna seem to them. they seem to have started pushing it more strongly the last year or two. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. There's yeah. more. They're doing a lot more coverage on Facebook of their own events and. Uh, and also the, the 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 ones that have won like uh, a lot of the past champions, they they become really popular. You see them yeah, at the races. Yeah, Everybody's yeah, yeah. like, oh, can I have a selfie with you? Can right. I have a picture with you? They're, they're right. practically celebrities yeah. everywhere. Manolito, who used to be also one of uh -huh. the champions, or, or he came second a few years ago, he goes anywhere in Asia. And Everybody knows him. And, and That's what Alessandro was saying. That he's, he's, he's just got a family almost yeah, wherever exactly, he travels now. Exactly. It's really nice. Yeah. So and then, yeah. But even and then the profile for the <coughs> female runners as well. There's also, so much, yeah. Also. I was talking, who were we talking to? I think it was the race-based guys, because they were saying they really want to push more, more equality or more diversity and, and get exposure for talented female trail runners from around Asia people like Ruth and yeah who Ruth, don't Ruth is fantastic but yeah. you know doesn't necessarily have access to the resources because yeah. and, the, and the training and recovery tools because it's just exactly it's exactly. not a big enough sport she's part of their program now, I think right? she is yeah, now yeah 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 program. I mean Hong Kong it's I mean it's such a shame what's going on there now but it's become such an amazing trail running scene amazing Kong, yeah? you know yeah. um, well they have access to the trails it's one yeah. of the biggest yeah, advantages yeah, yeah. really
lots of too many stairs. But yeah, I did them for my first three fifty Ks where I did them all in Hong Kong. Part of the what's it called Action Asia series. And by the end you just I just don't want to see stairs right. again. I wonder uh, though if they're pushing through with the Hong Kong one hundred in January. I don't know. Scott was supposed to race he was supposed to do the Wilson the Rally Wilson challenge Oxfam. that got cancelled and then the Oxfam one and that also got cancelled. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. And it must be difficult because if you like you're saying you need to start planning the race a year yeah. out. If you're trying to get elites to come for Hong Kong one hundred next year, I just no exactly. one's gonna no one's gonna commit right now. Yep. So and then what about, I guess, sort of in closing, you're, you know, you've got that such a deep connection to the Cordillera and all the events you've done. I mean, how do you, do you feel optimistic about the future there? I do. Yeah, definitely. I do. There, there is a new generation of, of the community that is doing amazing things. Yeah. They've, they've been putting up their own businesses. They've been starting a lot of the homestays we started five years ago. They have their own business and they're thriving. Right. And that for me is in my book it's a success for us it's success for them yeah and it's changing the way the communities are looking at uh, development and it's changing the way the dynamics are also with it used to be people from manila would control everything you know they would control right. how tourism is spread and how how money is distributed around the country and and now i'm seeing this remote village put up a homestay now they have their own travel agency they have their own van yeah it's it's such a huge huge development from from when we started in in Dalupirip where we did the race where you did the race there's now two swimming pools oh wow okay and and a couple of homestays that are thriving right. and and uh, and that's that for me that that's such a big big significant yeah. change I mean these are remote places I remember that the, the bridge got torn down right yes was, yes we, so we helped rebuild that last but that year that was that was like their only connection to that road and yep. and uh, yeah but it was, uh, yeah, it's, when we were there, it was just a few schoolhouses and, a, I mean, a very, very welcoming community. But yes, yes. Um, it's great that you were able to put them on the map. Yeah, now they, they get tourists every weekend. There's that, the swimming pools. They, they get local tourists who come. It, it's used. People, we just provided the seed, essentially, the yeah. idea. And people took it and they developed it themselves. They created all of this, all of these values, essentially, yeah. for their community. Yeah. Well, what a difference you've been able to make. Thank you very much, Jim. Oh, thank you. It's, thank uh, you so much. Pleasure for seeing you again. Yeah, interviewing me here. Thanks. It's like the truthful story if they ever ask. Stop the complaining because things ain't that bad. Scott, how you doing, mate? I'm oh, very well. Very well, Rick Stockfish. Um, what a what an interesting chap JP is. Yeah, I really enjoyed our interview, actually. Um, just a uh, really thoughtful guy and lots of uh, lots of interesting things to say about the work that he's been doing. Yeah, I'm very envious how he's uh, just escaped the corporate world and headed up to his homeland to uh, explore the wilderness. Yeah, and he's uh, he's keen for us to uh, to get up there and see some of it ourselves, so we'll have to try and make that happen. Yeah, and, and obviously they've changed the course a little bit since last time as well. But I, I love his philosophy on, on racing. This kind of reminds me a little bit of the race-based dudes in terms of the kind of purist, ah, oh, like you know he doesn't care about like doing an out and back just to make it 50k he just wants to use the trails that are there yeah yeah and he's uh, since we spoke he's he's announced the next edition of his trail running retreat in uh, Sagada in the Philippines and he's also put up the details for the Fondo cycling event that he mentions in the podcast um, oh, that's the road cycling one yeah, yeah so I think it's it's 100 120k 3,000 
500 meters of climbing, I think. But just looks, you know, some beautiful pictures of the back roads up in the north of the Philippines. Yeah, I want to. I want to race the dog one. I've, we've got Roxy here sitting next to us. I'd love to race with her, but she's. Um, yeah, I don't think I'll be able to get her over to the Philippines that easy. I'll probably get her over, not get her back. But uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. Like, it's, if you follow him on socials, like his dog's almost as famous as him, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so no, uh, it looks like it'll be a fun addition next year. And then we've had a few more. A few more race announcements over the last few weeks. I saw that the speaking of race base, that they're um, they're putting on a Nine Dragons Langkawi edition next year. I think. Yeah, there's some decent elevation to be had over on Langkawi. I'm sure knowing Steve and Nick, they'll um, and Michael, they will they won't make it easy. Yeah, and it's uh, Malaysia seems to be where it's all happening right now. So this uh, this coming weekend's the the Malaysia always get this wrong. What is it? Malaysia Mountain Trail Festival uh, up in Taiping. Yeah. Um, it's the 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 ultimate race in the in the season of Asia Trail. Although John John's wrapped up the title already as yeah. of last weekend. I think I didn't know where was he supposed to be racing in Thailand for the race. No, I, I, I was just reading about that. It's, so I think it was the uh, because he didn't get didn't grab the title in the Philippines the weekend before. He just went and did the miler in. Uh, in Thailand, yeah, to seal it, so there wasn't the pressure on the uh, on the last race. Uh, what an absolute legend! But uh, it was interesting um, hearing from JP saying that like the, there's been no one that has has won the Asia Trail Masters in consecutive years because they like just race too much in the year that they win it. Yeah, I mean it's great. I mean, uh, it, and and hearing him talk about uh, you know how it compares to the Ultra Trail World Tour, and I mean we, you know the few races we've done on that calendar have, have all have all been great, and they all really have a real local flavour to them, and there's real there's real sort of charm and personality around those races um and that format of your five best results it doesn't sound like a lot but i guess the, the temptation is always to go out and try and improve on your your performance um but let's see let's yeah. see how john fares next year whether he's whether he's up for defending well, the title i mean like the dude is just uh, he just doesn't stop does he i mean he's uh, he's never dnf'd a race before and he just somehow manages to keep going i mean he obviously he's got a got a great coach in andy Boy, but he's uh andy Dubois, but and um and then joint dynamics beat him up and keep him in there uh, keep him in, him in shape um yeah it'd be fun to see if uh if he and alessandro can go head to head in full next year yeah i want to see what happens um this weekend so it's like 87k is it the the distance for this one i think it's like 80 to 90k um which is kind of more in Alessandra's sweet spot than it is John Ellis's. So, um, and John's coming off the back of that. Yeah, mile. I think you'll probably. My my, uh, my guess is that I mean he always takes it easy to begin with, but I don't think he's going to um, he's going to annihilate himself to uh, to get the podium. I think uh, Alessandro Sherpa might want him to to finish on a high yeah. uh, for the season. Speaking of annihilating yourself, we're uh, a few hours out from. The start of your Everesting challenge. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so the time now is uh, is like just gone nine a.m. and I w- uh, at midday I will be um, going up to book a teamer in Singapore to spend twenty four to twenty six hours pounding up and down the same hill for for free to run. Um, it's been raining all week in Singapore and I've been like, oh, it's so cool. And I'm sitting here now with the sun on my back, sweating. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I was uh, I was hoping for um, for some cool and rainy weather, um, but uh, yeah, I've like just getting all my stuff together this morning. It's going to be yeah. A- well, uh, I'll be out there tomorrow morning to try and support. But best of luck with the rest of today. You did what? What's the longest you've done in training? Longest I did thirty five laps through um, the night last Friday night. And how did you feel at the end of that? 
<sighs> pretty, that a stupid question? pretty beaten up <laughs> yeah i mean um so <clears throat> yeah started at 2 a.m in the morning finished at 3 p.m in the afternoon and the the process that i go through is i do five laps which takes an hour and 40 minutes around and then i have a 10 minute break where i have a bit of a feed there's a it's a real backyard ultra feel to it actually just the repetitiveness of it um and yeah i, I like i felt okay i mean i was quite I'd originally planned to do 40, but I didn't have time to do 40. Um, so I, I made the decision quite early. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I was, uh, I was pretty, pretty broken but the, uh, that, that evening. And uh, actually, we went to Universal Studios with, uh, with Indra and some friends. And I, I had to bail out while they were still uh, all like going around the rides. I'm like, I've got to go home. I'm done. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's a few people coming out. I mean, by the time you probably hear this podcast, although we're going to be publishing shortly, um, I will either be out there or I'll have hopefully got it done. Um, the good thing is we're like fundraising wise, we're, we're almost there. We've raised about 3000 US dollars so far. So three and a half thousand target um, to raise, raise funds for free to run. Fantastic. Um, and yeah, we're going to be getting um, Taylor, one of the founders of Free to Run, on the podcast soon. So hopefully, I'll do a bit of a, uh, a challenge report, and we'll um, and we'll also interview the the charity founders, so we can share a little bit more in depth about uh, some of the initiatives they're they're, they're working on. And um, uh, we were trying to get Stephanie Case on, but she's back in Afghanistan at the moment, and yeah, it's pretty choppy Wi-Fi there, from what I understand. All good. Well, yeah. best of luck, Scott. Yeah, and, uh, so. Are you going to be able out. to come and do a couple of laps, or is your? Uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll come and do. I might bring. Uh, I might bring our eldest daughter with me and, and have her on my back for a few laps. I don't know if you'll be able to. Keep, no, not like bigging myself up. I don't know if you'll be able to keep up with. Uh, That's um, the issue, but we'll see. I'm, I'm planning to. Um, yeah, I'm planning I'm to keep to her do busy in the morning. A, a decent, um, a decent pace, but yeah, we've got a few people coming out. There should be. Um, should be good fun. Popped over to see uh, Jerry Chewer at Red Dot Running as well, and she's uh, she's going to be fuel. Well, that's she's donated Tailwind to fuel the challenge, um, which is always a good like consistent um, source of energy for these long endurance stuff. So, um, thank you, Jerry. Also, randomly, like when I was up in Hong Kong training the other week. Um, I met this guy called Chris Kessner. I, I need to check his name, Chris Kessner, and. Um, I'd uh, I'd been this is when I was interviewing the guys from um, uh, that had just um, the Joint Dynamics Gone Running team that had just done the um, the Oxfam Trail Walker, <clears throat> and then went for a run with uh, with James Park, the guy I was supposed to be running the race um, running Trail Walker with. So we went for a run. And I went straight to the airport. <clears throat> so I was in my running gear, sitting in the lounge, and this guy came. I said, "Oh, you you must be a trail runner, just because you saw my like uh, compression socks and stuff." Anyway, got chatting to him, and he's and then somehow he was talking about because there's a twenty nine oh twenty nine challenge in the US, which is effectively an Everesting, but you use a gondola to come back down. Right. It's organised by um by the guy that wrote a book about David Goggins coming to his house. I forget the name of him. Oh, Jesse, Jesse Itzler or something. That's it? the yeah, one, Jesse yeah, Itzler, yeah. yeah. So anyway, he was talking about this. And I was like, oh, funnily enough, I'm doing my own one. It was like a charity event. Anyway, I told him about the free to run the charity. And he like donated 250 US dollars to, um, to, to my charity page Fantastic. on there. Just like, uh, yeah, goes to show the trail running community are an amazing group of people. And um, yeah. Wow, it's hot. <laughs> I'm sitting here with the sun on my back, and I'm now getting pretty worried about uh, about what I'm about to take on. You'll be uh, fine. Yeah, find out, find out more 
in the next podcast yeah so cool we'll um yeah catch up in a couple of weeks um but uh yeah good job with uh, with jp and um yeah speak to you in a, a couple of weeks time happy holiday season everyone like the truthful story if they ever ask stop the complaining because things ain't that bad